The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Game Podcast Scenario is brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Out the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. We're also brought to you by the Hockey Gambling Podcast new YouTube page. The hockey guys are giving away a hoodie to celebrate their new YouTube channel. Register today at sportscampodcast.com slash HGP. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast. Now, it is currently Saturday afternoon, January 6th, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Reichel, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a short episode, only two matches to talk about, because it is final time in both Brisbane and Shanghai. So we are going to preview those two finals. We're going to be looking at the matchup between Rune and Dimitrov, as well as the matchup between Rublev and Rusevori. Before we get into any of that, I do want to recap what happened in the last episode for the semifinals. As for the actual lock and dog picks, not great. Could have been worse. Ended up losing the dog. We had Safoul and Moneyline at about plus 180. Two competitive sets, but Rune was on the right side of them, as Rune did win in straight sets. Didn't exactly feel great seeing a tiebreaker and then seeing Zafulin get skunked. 7 nothing in that breaker. But as for the lock, ended up pushing. We had Dimitrov team total under 13 games. If you ended up taking the under in games at 21.5, or if you took the Dimitrov straight set bet, you would have won. But instead, I ended up taking the team total at 13, and he finished with 13 as he won in straight sets with a 7-5 attached to it in the second set. So once again, didn't end up losing both, but we also didn't pick up a winner because we had a push and a loss. So I look to get a sweep here on the Sunday card. But to go through the brief takeaways for the actual matches itself, Rune I mentioned before, match was competitive. He looked pretty good, and he had a couple of moments there where he was in a little bit of trouble, nothing serious, but he did a good job on some of the big points to keep his lead over Safulin. As for Dimitrov and Thompson, Thompson looked fine for a guy that had just played a three-plus-hour marathon with no days off in between. Dimitrov was a bit vulnerable in that match. Thompson did have some breakpoint chances, and he failed to convert on basically all of them. And you saw Dimitrov do just enough to win the second set without having to go to a breaker. But the match was competitive. It was fun. But Dimitrov just had too much firepower, and Thompson seemed to be on the back foot for most of the match. As for the Hong Kong tournament, you ended up seeing Rusevori beat Offner in three. I gave Offner a pretty decent... I'd say I gave him a decent chance as a dog to get the job done. I liked the over in the match. That ended up getting there as that went to three sets, and Offner won the first set, so you can make an argument Rusevori probably shouldn't have been as big of a favorite as he was at around minus 170, I think, but the point is he got the job done, and now he'll be looking for his first ATP title. As for Rublev, he got off to a bad start against Shang. We like the over in that match as well. We thought Rublev would win, but the point is Shang was able to get off to a good start, and then Rublev settled in, and Rublev ended up beating him in three. So overall, pretty entertaining matches. The Brisbane ones were straight setters, but the Hong Kong ones went three apiece. And then on top of that, you also had some fun matches in the United Cup. Most notably, you had Dimenauer, who was able to come back from a set down against Zverev, which means Dimenauer is officially a new member of the ATP Top 10. So congrats to, to uh, Dimenauer. First time he's ever been in the Top 10. He's definitely had a solid amount of growth to his game so far from what I've noticed in early 2024. Seems to be injecting a bit more pace on both wings. We know he always had the movement and he always had the defensive ability, but it does seem like now he's able to at least try to push his opponents around the court a bit more successfully. And it does seem like he's able to 
get an attacking edge in some of these points, which he was not able to do throughout most of his entire career. But a nice win there for Dimenauer. And we'll see what happens uh, with him entering the Australian Open because he maybe can make a quarterfinal. We'll see what happens. Depends on the draw. But he's in good form. Wanted to give him a shout-out for making it into the top 10. Now, as for the actual matches themselves. We're going to get into that in a second. Do want to quickly touch upon some news for the Australian Open. You had a couple of opt-outs. Stricker is not going to be there, and Opelka is not going to be there. And I bring that up because since both of them are going to be out, that does mean that Dominic Team is officially into the main draw without having to qualify. So Team will be in the Australian Open without having to qualify and I believe Watanuki, I think, was the other person who was promoted into the main draw because of those two opt-outs. Wanted to mention it, though. If you're looking for Stricker, he's apparently injured, and Opelka hasn't exactly been healthy for a while. And yeah, I know he was playing some challenger-level stuff, but apparently something was bothering him again, and Opelka will not be there for the Australian Open. But as for the actual matches, time to switch gears and to talk about the purpose of the episode, which is the two finals. So we're going to start off going through in chronological order the first final, which will be taking place in, I believe, Brisbane is taking place first. Uh, Brisbane is taking place at 1.30 a.m. Eastern Time, and Hong Kong's taking place at 3.30 a.m. Eastern Time. So Brisbane is going to be what should be a fun match because you have Rune taking on Dimitrov, and based on the odds, it should be pretty close because Dimitrov is a slight dog here. Rune's minus 120 on the money line. Uh, Dimitrov is even money. And as for the actual spread, Rune minus half a game is minus 105. Dimitrov plus half a game is minus 115. The over-under is at 22.5. The over is actually a minus 150. The under is at plus 120. And if you do want the match to go three, you can get that at plus 120. If you want either guy to win in straight sets, it's going to be a nice payday. Dimitrov in straight sets is plus 215, and Rune in straight sets is plus 215. If you want a team total, by the way, each player has a team total of 13. So to go through the path of both players, got to start off with the head-to-head and to go through that piece of information, they faced off twice, and they have split the f- two meetings. They faced off in uh, Wimbledon, actually, in 2023, and Rune was able to beat Dimitrov in three sets. But they faced off in Beijing on hard court last January, and you ended up seeing uh, Dimitrov win that one in straight sets. Now, to go through the path, Dimitrov has been in great form, lost the first set to Murray, and he hasn't dropped a set since. Ended up beating Murray in three, beat Hitchikata, and then he ended up beating Thompson. As for Rune, he struggled early as he ended up losing a set to Purcell, ended up losing a set to Shevchenko, but he's calmed down since then, and he was able to beat Duckworth and Safulin in straight sets. Now, Dimitrov, once again, has been looking a lot more aggressive in his actual style of play. Uh, in years past, I thought he was too passive with the backhand. I know that he's got one-hander on forced errors can be an issue at times, but it did seem like he was slicing a lot to the backhand in years past, and as a result, he was kind of on the back foot in a lot of rallies while he was letting other players kind of push him around the court while he was trying to simply put out weight his opponents, and he was trying to wait for some unforced errors. This year, he's completely pivoted, and maybe that was also the case at the end of 2023 when he had some success. He really isn't slicing as much to the backhand. He does it on occasion, but he's mostly been unloading the one-hander, and it has worked out. I'm trying to think of a fair comp. It kind of reminds me of the Dan Evans run that he had in D.C. last year where he won a title, and it seemed like with his new coaching staff, he ended up choosing to, I don't want to say abandon the slice backhand, 
But Dan Evans, for most of his career, was a guy that mostly sliced his backhands. And then he switched coaches, and they told him, not hit the one-hander flat a bit more. And he ended up winning a title. So Dimitrov has been willing to pull the trigger a bit more on the backhand. He's been willing to charge the net more. And if you've been watching the points and the overall matches he's been in, he's been on the front foot a lot more often than he has in years past. And that has been a very nice change of play style for him. That has definitely yielded some good results. Now, Rune is a guy who can also play very aggressive because we know how powerful his actual forehand and backhand are. The unforced errors can still be an issue, and you can still argue that he's not as mentally tough as you'd want for a guy who could be a future potential Grand Slam winner. I don't know if he's going to win one, but you get my point. This matchup should be fun. Now, I do think Dimitrov beating him on hardcourt last year is pretty important. I don't really care much about the grass meeting in Wimbledon, uh, but I do think you're looking at Dimitrov and Rune probably partaking in a war here. I think it's going to be a pretty long match. Each player, I think, is going to serve pretty well from what I've seen so far in this event, and I do think that you will see each player have moments, maybe a tiebreaker or two, but I do think the over is definitely worth consideration in this match. The question is, do I think Dimitrov is actually going to win a title for once? Because it's been a long time since he's won a title. I quickly want to pull that up. I believe it was 2016, the last time he won a title, but I quickly want to just confirm that. Uh, let me quickly see if I could find the last time he's won a title. I It would used to be so much easier to actually find this stuff, and then, uh, yeah, the ATP website ended up trying to, I guess, upgrade, but instead it became one of the worst platforms you can imagine. So to go through his results here, he has not won a title since 2017. I said 2016, apologies there. Uh, ended up winning four titles in 2017, made one title in 2018, or made one final, I mean, in 2018, lost, and then made two finals in 2023. So from 2019 to 2022, he made zero finals, which might sound insane, but that's why I've been critical of Dimitrov in years past. But the point is, he's looking for his first title since 2017, and it's definitely going to be a potentially big milestone for him to finally get over the hump after this long of a layoff, or I can't say layoff, but this long of a dry spell for him when it comes to winning titles. We know Rune had won several titles last year. Point is, I do think it should be a fun match. I think the odds are definitely where they should be, at least based on how close it is. I think if I had to pick a winner, I probably would lean Dimitrov in this spot, uh, just because I do think that he's looked like a guy that I have a bit more faith in in what should be a long and competitive match. But Dimitrov's attacking tennis has worked out well. The serve's been really good. And I do think Rune, even though he has been able to hold his nerve, has been in some dangerous spots on occasion with the serve. So I think that, Dim I think that Dimitrov has the shot variety, the overall willingness to charge the net. I just think he brings a few more elements to his game that he's been... Uh, I'd say more willing to showcase on the front foot uh, when he's been aggressive in these rallies. And I do think that should result in Dimitrov getting a pretty good chance to win this match. I see a coin flip. So if you want to give me even money on a coin flip, I'll take it. But I do think the over is definitely worth a look uh, for the games at 22.5 or if you want to go for the sets at 2.5. I do think that is a pretty solid deal. Shop around, they probably could find a plus 130 somewhere. I think that could end up going to three, but I do like the over, and I will lean to Dimitrov in that match. Moving on to the other final taking place on Sunday, you have a matchup between Rublev and Rusevori, and unlike the Brisbane final, you have one massive favorite, as Rublev is minus 310, and Rusevori is plus 260. As for the game spread, you have Rublev at minus 4, at plus 105, 
Uh, Rusevori plus four is minus 125. Uh, if you want the over or the under, the over is at 22 at minus 115. Under is 22 at minus 105. Alt lines, though, Rublev minus three and a half is minus 130. Rusevori plus three and a half is even money. Over under in games, the over is 21 and a half at minus 135. The under is 21 and a half at plus 105. As for the actual set wagering, match to go three sets is plus 150, and Rublev to win in straight sets is uh, minus 110. Rusevori to win a set is minus 120. So to go through the head-to-head, they face off three times in their careers. Rublev did win the first two meetings, one in Dubai in straight sets in 2021. They faced off in the Aussie Open last year. Rublev did win that one, but it did go four sets. And they faced off in Cincinnati last year, and Rusevori did win. He won in three sets, very competitive. Rublev wasn't exactly in great form at the time, but it doesn't matter as Rusevori was able to win a competitive three-set war as he won 7-6, with a 12-10 tiebreaker score, 5-7 and 7-6. So the point is, Rusevori did win a war, was very competitive, but Ru- uh, Rublev did lose the last meeting. So once again, I do think minus 3-10 is very, very steep. Now to go through the path of both players, both players haven't exactly been dominating the opposition, as Rusevori has gone to three sets in three of the four matches here. The only exception was the Kotov match, in which he trailed 4-1 in the breaker. So the point is, I do think Rusevori has been pretty susceptible to marathon matches, and that might be the case once again here, because Rublev has kind of been the same way. He had a bye in the first round, then should have went to three against Brody, but he ended up fighting off some set points as he won the second set 10-8 in the tiebreaker. Then he went to three against Fees, went to three against Shang. So both players have been winning, but not in dominant fashion. So I do think you might see a collision course between two guys that tend to have some ups and downs in their games. And both players stylistically are pretty similar because both players love to unload really powerful shots from the baseline. They really don't charge the net that much. They are going to have a baseline battle for probably two plus hours. But I do think for the sake of this matchup, the fact that Rusevori has had success against Rublev in the past and the fact that Rublev has been equally shaky as Rusevori has in this event, I think it's pretty close. Now, Rublev should be the favorite, but I think 310 is massive. I think it should be closer to 210, give or take. I think Rusevori, once again, does have more than a puncher's chance to get the job done. And I do want to mention that part of the reason why this line is so big is because Rusevori has never won a title before on the ATP level, did lose in the final in Pune in 2022. So he has made a final before, didn't work out. But the point is, he is looking for his first ever title, and we'll see if he can get it done. As for Rublev, he's been in much bigger matches. He's been in a bunch of Masters 1000 matches. He won a Masters 1000 title last year. The point is, Rublev is definitely a guy who will not be, I'd say, shaky or nervous going into this matchup. That's the one concern for Savori, because even though he made it to a final that was over a year ago, you do have to wonder if he's going to be nervous and if Rublev is just going to take it to him. I think it's going to be close. I just think that based on how these matchups have unfolded in the past between these two, especially over the last year, and the fact that you are looking at, once again, a matchup between two similar players stylistically, I see a close battle. So for me, I'm going to go with the over in this match. I see a very close one. I am also going to lean to the dog plus four here on the games at minus 125, and I do like the over two and a half sets at plus 150. That's going to wrap it up, though, for the actual match previews for Sunday. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks, but for intended that kind of a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long. NFL, 
NBA, NHL, college basketball, and college football. Simply pick higher or lower on your favorite players' fantasy stats and cash in. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little money over on Rugs mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. And remember, when you sign up, use the promo code SGPN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. It's Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by the Hockey Gambling Podcast because they just launched a new YouTube channel, and as a result, they're giving away a Hockey Gambling Podcast hoodie to celebrate. So enter the contest at sportsgampodcast.com slash HGP, sportsgampodcast.com slash HGP. We're also brought to you by Game Time. I don't know about all of you, but I personally love attending sporting events in person, and it can be very difficult to actually find a ticket a provider that you can trust. That changed, though, for me when I found Game Time, because Game Time is the fast and easy way to get tickets to pretty much any event you want, whether it's sports, concerts, if you want to go to a comedy show, for example, Game Time does have you covered. I do think my favorite feature with the actual platform is the images of seat views, which basically means that if you are going to think about buying a ticket, it will show you the exact view you would be getting if you purchase that ticket so you know exactly what you are going to be paying for, which can prevent you from getting an obstructed view, etc. But I do recommend using it. And they also have very solid flash deals for football, basketball, baseball, and concerts, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section or uh, and row for less. Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Send tickets out the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CFBX for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger by betting smarter this end of all season with Hall of Fame Bets. Sports Center Analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea, no matter how ridiculous it might seem, into Hall of Fame Bets' revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. So stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN. You can 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the two finals on Sunday in Brisbane and in Hong Kong. Now it's time for the Lock and Dog pick, starting off with the Lock... I wanted to do one pick in each match, but the truth is the Dimitrov-Rune match, I'm really having a hard time finding value with. Plus 120 in the over 2.5 is just not enough value, and the 22.5 games is minus 150. So I don't really see much in this actual match I can use, and I don't feel confident enough in Dimitrov actually winning. I think it's a coin flip match. So because of that, I think I am going to double down on Hong Kong. I thought about maybe taking a tiebreaker in the Rune-Dimitrov match as a bet, but... I don't really want to bet on a prop like that for a lock and dog pick for this one. So for that reason, I am going to go with two plays from the Hong Kong match. They are going to be correlated, but I do feel pretty good about the over in this matchup. So I am going to go with the over 21 and a half games as my lock at minus 135. I think you will end up seeing a very competitive match. Might go three, maybe a tiebreaker in there. But the fact is, we saw these two players have two competitive head-to-head matches, including an absolute war in Cincinnati uh, last year in August. So I do think looking at this matchup, it should be close. Each player has been involved in some marathon matches. But to go through the path once again, each of Rublev's three matches here have had at least 23 games 
and each of Rusevori's four matches here have had at least 22 games. So I do think that, once again, 21.5 is a little bit low. And Rublev has gone to three sets in two of the three matches here. Rusevori's gone to three sets in three of the four matches here. The last head-to-head matchup ended up going three. I see a competitive match here. Give me the over 21.5 games at minus 135 as my lock. For my dog, once again, kind of doubling down, I am going to go with the over 2.5 sets at plus 150. I just mentioned that each player has been involved in a couple of three setters in this event, and I do think that should be the case once again. Both players do play very similarly, and I do think that with the potential up-and-down nature of their games, you're going to see a balancing act where maybe one player peaks early, then that same player has a letdown in the second set, and then wakes up again for the third. But I do think plus 150 is a price that does seem a bit high based on the frequency these players have gone to three sets in this particular event. So give me the over two and a half sets at plus 150. So once again, the lock it up picks of the show, we're going to double down on the Hong Kong match. The lock's going to be the over 21 and a half games at minus 135, and the dog will be the over two and a half sets at plus 150. That's going to wrap it up for this episode to talk about the actual schedule for the next episode. We'll back once again on Sunday, probably the morning. We'll see what happens, but the point is we have two events starting on Sunday. You have Adelaide and you have Auckland, so we're going to preview those two uh, ATP 250 events, and then right after that, we have the Australian Open. So a reminder, we'll be back once again for the outright episodes for Adelaide and Auckland. We'll both be in one episode. We're not going to do separate episodes for those, but we'll be back for the quarterfinals for those events after the outright episode. And then we have the Aussie Open preview episode, followed by episodes for each round of the Australian Open. So a lot of tennis content in the remainder of January. Looking forward to it. Find me on Twitter, at Rice Show Radio. Find me on the NBA Gambling Podcast, the NFL Gambling Podcast, a bunch of other podcasts with the network. Until next time, though, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.